This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We had a big cabinet shuffle recently announced by the prime minister. I mean, pretty a sizable cabinet shuffle in that I think about two-thirds or just over two-thirds of cabinet or cabinet positions ended up with new ministers. And I think we saw seven ministers in total drop from cabinet altogether. So quite an overhaul. Maybe overshadowed by all of that was another interesting announcement that coincided with the cabinet shuffle, that there is going to be a new cabinet committee established, cabinet committee on national security and intelligence. So this would be separate and distinct. I mean, we do have, for example, the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, but that's not cabinet specific. So this would would be at the cabinet level. Now, obviously, there are cabinet ministers that do deal with matters pertaining to intelligence and security. So how is this going to be different from, well, basically how things function now and how those relevant ministers deal with and discuss those matters? What's the potential upside uh, of something like this? Is there a necessity for something like this? Well, joining us for some thoughts on uh, all of these questions, very pleased to welcome the program here this morning, Aaron Schull, who's a senior legal executive and managing director of the Center for International Governance Innovation, had an interesting uh, op-ed that he co-authored this week. You can find it at the, uh, the National Post, nationalpost.com. Aaron, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here, and, and thank you for, for um, bringing up the topic, because you're right, it got, got completely buried under the cabinet shuffle, but this is a big deal, so happy to chat. Yeah, I think if this had been announced separately, it would probably would have got a lot more attention, you know, especially given all the focus these days on issues around security and intelligence, but do we yet have a good understanding of how this is going to work or what this actually means? Like, what did the announcement actually tell us? Well, it was very, very light on details. So, I mean, the first point is this is a welcome announcement. This is great news. The fact is national security is going to be elevated at the cabinet level. The prime minister is going to chair the committee. This is great. We effectively have a national security council in Canada now. This is something that I've been calling for, along with my colleague Wesley Work, for years. Um, and so the fact that this is now something that's happening and it's going to be corporeal is great news. Perfect. Period. Now, now what? How's it, you're right. What's it going to look like? How's it going to function? How's it going to be staffed? What's its budget going to look like? These are all great questions. And inevitably, like I said in the op-ed, the devil is in the details, right? Yeah. So presumably this will involve uh, members of cabinet, and there's some, some obvious cabinet ministers, I, I guess, that would sit on this. But in terms of how many cabinet ministers or who else maybe might be involved, that's, that's part of what we don't yet know. Exactly. And so, you know, there'll be a conversation around the right model. And so you will look probably to the U.S. Um, there's a National Security Council in the U.S. that was created in 1947 by President Harry Truman. And so, you know, they've got a long history with this. They're, it's got the, the president, the vice president, secretaries of state, treasury, defense, and they've got a team of about 200 people led by the National Security Advisor. Well, 
that's a little bit big for, for Canada's case. So it's unlikely to have that scale. Then you maybe think about the, the UK, right? They've got a, they've got a national security council that was established in, in uh, 2010 and it's chaired by the prime minister and includes senior cabinet ministers. And so probably something like that. Which cabinet ministers, how many, how often it meets? We don't yet know the answer to those questions and those are pretty nuanced, but the broad point being at least there's a focal point to deal with matters of national security in Canada, which matters a lot. And and let me tell you why. I mean, your, your viewers, if they're sitting on a chair, they're about to fall off their chair right now because our first and only national security strategy was done in 2004, and it has not been updated since. So think about the world in 2004. Heck, think about your telephone that you had, your, 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 your mobile phone that you would have had in 2004. Click ahead till now. The world has changed substantially, but our strategic approach has not. So the first order of business, regardless of how many ministers and how many meetings per month this, this thing has, the first order of business has to be a new national security strategy for Canada. Right. And look, I mean, obviously, the prime minister and, and key cabinet ministers do, can and do discuss matters of national security. And, you know, certainly it, it doesn't you know, not having this committee hasn't precluded the government from addressing issues of national security or, or having a strategy. But where can this committee add value? That's a really good question, and I can tell you, like you, you prepared for this interview, and I love, I love this kind of stuff. So let me give you a, an example of what it is now, and then we can talk about what it might be. So what it is now, the the kind of highest cabinet committee is called the Incident Response Group, or the ERG, and that is exactly like it sounds. Incident response. Uh oh. Something bad has happened, and now we are literally responding to it. So by definition, you're already on your back foot. Something bad's happened, we're dealing with it, right? Mm-hmm. This, if it works properly, we can you know, be doing uh, more granular threat assessments. We can be integrating intelligence products into decision-making across government. We can be looking forward into the world. And, let, like, I mean, let's, let's be frank with one another. The world is a dangerous place right now, right? Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, top of mind, uh, NATO's importance in Europe, global food insecurity, climate change, U.S.-China tensions and, and around Taiwan, like, you name it. Um, the world is, is in a very, very precarious place, and I, for one, wouldn't want to have a group that's just responding if something bad happens. I'd want to be leaning forward a little bit and making sure that we're structuring our policy and our institutions in a manner that, that is a, allows Canada to, have, to push its own interests in the world rather than just waiting for something bad to show up on our doorstep. Yeah, I also point out to people, by the way, you mentioned the Incident Response Group. It was convened just a couple of weeks ago uh, to discuss the situation at the uh, with the strike at, at the B.C. port. So that's kind of what it's designed for. So this would be like a national security, you know, intelligence version of that. Yeah, and also something that, that basically allows us to um, incorporate modern strategies and to, to think through things before they're materializing on our doorstep, right? And so basically allowing for the highest levels of our government to be briefed in one place, to have intelligence flow in one place, to have decisions made in one place, and to have a secretariat that then diffuses those decisions throughout the apparatus, right? Like, that's that's really what's required right now because and the other thing too is 
the way that the world works right now is really different. Uh, so think about Huawei, for example, right? Um, is Huawei, uh, is that an intelligence thing? Is it an economic thing? Is it a foreign relations or foreign affairs thing with the two Michaels? Is it uh, a telco problem? Is it like, you know, w- like what is it? Well, the answer is it's all of those things and, pro- and probably then some, right? And so having a way of integrating our policy thinking in a, in a kind of a horizontally matched way that has a staff that has the prime minister's attention and that deals with national security stuff in a manner that um, kind of befits the importance and befits the danger of the world that Canada is now in. That's, that's I think, if this is done properly and structured properly and treated properly, then we can get to some of those root issues. Let's talk about what properly might mean then. What, what are you hoping to see or maybe what advice would you have to the prime minister about how to, to shape this committee? Um, well, so, I mean, again, I'm not a wheels of government guy, but if I, if I were asked that question, I'd say, number one, it has to be chaired by the prime minister for real. Um, like this has to be treated. It all starts at the top, right? And so uh, it has to be chaired by the prime minister for real. I would say, you know, either a, a standing meeting every two weeks or, or once a month. I, I mean, again, I'm a little bit agnostic on that type of stuff. Um, you have to have all of your senior ministers there, um, and you have to have a real secretariat um that is um that has uh that has budget that has staff that is designed to feed this as a proper policy generation coordination and decision making body it can't be just another cabinet and worse it can't be a paper tiger like that would be the the worst possible outcome we go through all of this and you get a, a cabinet committee that's designed just to tick boxes um it has to be real and it has to be like it has to be staffed accordingly and for what it's worth like i know folks uh, from our government that work in this area we have some of the finest civil servants i think anywhere in the world and so let's use them um and make sure that that the political level is getting what it needs in the, in a in a kind of integrated way so we can make decisions and generate policy based on the recommendations and advice of a very professional uh, civil service As for the need for an updated national security strategy, should we be doing that first? Or is it possible that, you know, having this committee, that that can, you know, help lay the groundwork for that kind of a review and and updating the strategy? Yeah, I mean, um, six and one, half a dozen. I'll take what I can get, to be honest with you. Like, so, I mean, I've been calling for the, the National Security Council and the updated strategy for years. And so I think, you know, there's there's merit in setting up the institution and then having the institution, once it's up and running, on day day number one, being like, let's get our strategic approach to the world together. And look, I'm, all I'm saying is, you know, the world, the, we're, the, we're in choppy water right now. All we're doing is picking a direction, right? So here's where we see the country being in five years from now or 10 years from now. Here's where we are at the moment. Um, and here's a plan for how we'd like to get to where we want to go. And it could be some legislative amendments, like, you know, and I don't want to bore your listeners to death, um, but we have to tune up the CSIS Act, and we should probably make sure the National Security and Intelligence Advisors role is enumerated in legislation somewhere. Like, there's some some of those types of tune-ups that we, that we have to make. But the broad point being is that we have to pick where we want to be in the world. What are Canada's core interests? What are our values? How are we going to preserve them? How are we going to protect ourselves? And and, and what institutional and budgetary tweaks do we need to be making right now to make sure that we're living the way that we want to live in five to ten years from now? That's all I'm saying. It's not yeah. like this. We're not putting someone on the moon here, right? Like, but right. I think that's the first order of business. 
And we'll see how this all unfolds. In the meantime, as mentioned, this uh, op-ed, it's uh, up at nationalpost.com. Much more at CIGIOnline.org. Aaron, thanks again for joining us here. Appreciate it.